0: By Pearson Harnish, but a huge third down conversion. You got the game on. Yep. on the move, down to the 24-yard line of St. Francis. Who's winning? He, he won't say the, the zone zone and score. Up and waited for the pass. Short drop Come on, out of the gun. who's winning? Falls towards the right corner, complete to Vandercooi, who steps across the plane.
1: Ah, say the damn score.
0: This is the Say the Damn Score podcast with your host Logan Anderson. Welcome everybody to the Say the Damn Score podcast. I want to thank everybody who's tuned in today as we hopefully have a good episode for you lined up. I want to give everyone fair warning I'm fighting a little bit of a cold so if I don't sound like myself or if um, there's a sneeze or a edited a, a clip that sounds edited it probably is. We are joined today by Mitch Stroman. He is the um football and men's basketball broadcaster for northern arizona in flagstaff and mitch how's everything going today
1: well logan thanks it's going great um i'm sorry to hear that you got a little bit of a cold but i could i can't tell on my end so you're doing a good job of hiding it or you are using some really good drugs uh to get through it so i, I give you a lot of credit for that but no things are good here in in flagstaff arizona um as you and I were talking about before we went on the air, we're, we're digging out from a, a big snowstorm that we had up here at 7,000 feet above sea level earlier this week, 37 inches of snow, and it was the 10th largest snow event in this city's history, um, and I've been digging snow off of the roof, so I'm I'm ready to just sit down and relax and have a conversation with you. I've been looking forward to it since we talked about doing it.
0: Being up on the roof, uh, taking off snow, that's just weird. We were talking off air. You don't think of that as an Arizona thing. But uh, let's just start off with what we were talking about earlier. Because if you're in sportscasting for any length of time, eventually you're going to have to fight through a little bit of... uh, sickness or illness right now i just have. i mean it's a head cold it's nothing awful but it's just more annoying than anything but when you are not feeling up to task and you still have to get uh, you know on the air on the road let's just say in montana or north dakota as part of the big sky conference or northern arizona what are your keys to finding a way to make it work
1: I swear to God that happens almost once a year, really. And it's almost always during basketball season, Logan. Um, you know, travel is is uh, just a killer when it comes to impacting the body's resistance to the bad bugs that are out there. And, you know, so, yeah, I get a flu shot every year. So there, there's key number one, uh, get your flu shot. Fortunately, my wife is a nurse, so she comes home usually in uh, September or November and brings the syringe with the needle and the flu shot with her, and administers said flu shot to me. I'm not a big shot guy, so it's always nice to have somebody like your wife doing it for you, Um, so that's key number one, get your flu shot, but you know, it, it happens almost every year, and like I said, the travel is so taxing on the body. It truly is, and especially if you're if you're in a league like the Big Sky Conference, where Northern Arizona University is, and as you just you know mentioned, Montana and North Dakota, uh, those are members of the Big Sky. Our travel in the Big Sky for basketball is um, challenging and um, difficult sometimes at best. We uh, spend a lot of time on buses, overnight bus rides, uh, long bus rides, bus rides in between travel partner cities. Um, we spend an awful lot of time uh getting up early <laughs> like at three o'clock in the morning or three thirty in the morning to get to the airport and catch that first flight out of whatever airport that we are flying out of uh, so we will oftentimes be working on three or four hours at best of sleep on Sundays when we return back to flagstaff and and that takes its toll it it hits it hits that resistance that you have in your body and, and really kicks the living daylights out of it. So yeah, I, I, in fact, it's funny you're talking about, you've got a cold right now, Logan. I I had a, a nasty run of bronchitis right after Christmas and it, it hit me like a sledgehammer and there's nothing worse for a sports play by play guy to have a phlegm, uh, you know, coming out of your chest every 15 seconds, especially if you're trying to call a basketball game where you really don't get a lot of opportunity outside of a commercial break to uh, hack out the, the, the awful stuff and be gross. Uh, so, you know, key number two for me is, is a lot of hydration. I stay hydrated. I drink tons and tons of water and and you you've heard guys talk about this on on your podcast you know Jay anderson some of the great guys that have been, you've had on the podcast you know staying hydrated is a key uh because quite frankly uh when you're traveling and you're on planes and buses it, it sucks the moisture out of your body so you got to stay hydrated i'm a big believer in airborne i'll just get that out there right now and if if the if the manufacturer of airborne is out there listening uh, I, I purchase a lot of your product, and I'd be happy to be a spokesperson for you. Uh, I use that stuff religiously, and I find that, quite frankly, um, uh, I get sick less, and when I do get sick, it's less intense. I, I'm a believer in the stuff, so I, I use it liberally and uh, keep it uh, keep a bottle with me when I'm on the road. use it every day, and I drink a lot of hot tea, and then, thank God, I've got a wife who's a nurse. She takes care of me when I get sick.
0: So when you do get sick, you talked a lot about preventing it and finding ways to avoid it. When you do have it, you have that cold, you have that bronchitis, and you need to get through you know, an hour and a half, two hours, three hours of a broadcast, what are you doing that day?
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, first thing, getting out of bed, uh, hot tea with honey. And my my preferred tea, and I think it's you know a, almost a standard for for broadcasters and sportscasters is Earl Grey.
0: I have uh, a Earl cup Earl on Gray my table right now.
1: You're, you've got some of that right now. Yep. <laughs> Attaboy. boy, yeah. Keep it up, Earl Grey, hot with honey, um, and I put so, I put like to put a little bit of cinnamon in it. And when I'm on the road, I actually take that stuff with me, Logan, because not every hotel. Uh, not every restaurant carries good Earl Grey. Uh, my preferred Earl Grey, quite frankly, is Bigelow because Bigelow has the oil of bergamot in it, which is a homeopathic and, and very medicinal thing. I, I, I believe in it just like I believe in the Airborne. And so I bring, you know, several several bags of that with me in a Ziploc bag. I bring uh, a little container of honey in a Ziploc bag in my luggage I always have that with me, so I hit the Earl Grey right up front, and then I just start pounding water like it's going out of style. It's a double-edged sword with the water, because you, when you get on the air, you you know where I'm going with this. If, if you're a solo broadcaster, and if you have to do your own halftime, uh, that could mean a couple of hours of not having an opportunity to leave courtside and go to the men's room. So drinking an awful lot of water and tea, which has caffeine and, and uh, you know, it has that diuretic property to it, can sometimes put you in a little bit of a, of a fix during a broadcast in terms of not being able to get to the bathroom, but uh, better that than, than not having the, the water and the tea, and, and then you know, you're, you're over-the-counter medicine. You gotta you gotta find what works for you. Some people, you know, like the the Robitussins, and some people like the Dayquils, and it just depends on what you what you like for your body, and uh, make sure that you're you're taking that uh, on time every four hours, and, and doing the very best you can to to try to withhold the the urge to cough when you're on the air. But sometimes. You just you just can't help it, and you do. And so you know what I do, honestly. If I have a, a coughing fit on the air, and I did have that happen when I had bronchitis here around Christmas, you know, you just apologize to the listeners. Pardon me for that. Uh, hit the hit the cough button on your uh, mixer, and and uh, you know try to mask it the best you can. But if you get one that sneaks out on you, you you just kind of pardon yourself for that on the air, and maybe make a little bit of fun of yourself. I'm you know I'm a big believer in self deprecating humor. You can't take yourself too too seriously in this business like that, and um, then move on and continue your play by play. But that's really all you can do at that point, is uh, you know try to try to take care of yourself the best you can.
0: I'm a big believer in the power of Claritin and cough drops. That's what I had for my broadcast uh, on Saturday. But going, I'm
1: with you. I like Hall's cough drops personally. They taste better. Uh, the cherry flavor is my personal favorite, although the honey ones aren't bad either. <laughs> but I've I've gone through packets of those bad boys over the years, no question.
0: All right, well, we can get back to the actual broadcasting stuff instead of trying to be uh, trying to play medical staff. But you know, just take us through your <laughs> path in broadcasting. What was your first break into the business? You know, whether that was in college, shortly out of college, or however it happened for you. You know,
1: it's it's a, it's a funny story, Logan, because it was in college. I was in college in Central Minnesota at Saint Cloud State University, and at I went to college originally uh, to be a meteorologist. My my dream initially when I went to college was to work for the National Severe Storms Forecast Center, but but there was a broadcasting edge to that because I wanted to be the guy that they go to on the network news at the National Severe Storms Forecast Center to talk about either the hurricane that is bearing down right now on the east coast of Florida or, or the, the outbreak of tornadoes in Tornado Alley uh, that you need to be on the lookout for uh, because we've got uh, a cold front and a warm front that are coming together here this afternoon, and it's going to be a perfect mix for some supercell activity. I wanted to be the guy on the television that they went to, with the National Weather Service. So I went to college for meteorology, but then I found out something. Meteorology requires extremely good math skills, like higher level math, Uh, the type of of math, uh, calculus and above, that that, uh, was a bit of a challenge for me. So uh, I realized that that was not going to work, and I always had a love and a passion for sports, my, uh, I grew up in a sports household. Uh, my dad instilled a love in me of baseball and showed me how to, to keep score of games, and it used to be something that I did on a on a regular basis. I was into statistics, even though I was mathematically challenged, but I could certainly figure out batting averages and on-base percentages and things like that. Uh, I loved uh, I loved the 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 essence of sports. I was a huge sports fan. I played sports in high school and junior high school, and just loved sports. And I'm, I was into into our college teams at Saint Cloud State, and it was in the it was in the spring, and our Saint Cloud State baseball team, which was a very good Division two team at the time, had several players on that team that would end up playing in the Major League Baseball uh, in in MLB. Uh, like Jim Eisenreich, he ended up playing with the Minnesota twins for several years. And I loved, I, I went to all the games. I was a fan. I loved it. I knew the players. I knew their bios. I knew their stats. I just loved our, our, our St. Cloud state Husky baseball team and, and was unabashedly a passionate fan. So what happened was it was a, a home game for, for St. Cloud state baseball And their home games were were broadcast back then on the campus radio station. And I had a friend in my dorm who worked at the campus radio station. And the guy that they had doing the play-by-play one day was sick. And he apparently called out not long before they had to go on the air – so the guy that I live with in the dorm that works at the radio station, he goes, well, I know a guy in, in, the, in, I live in the dorm that is huge, huge fan of, of the team. He knows the team upside down and inside out, you know, I'll give him a call and see if he wants to to come and sit in. So he got a hold of me and said, Hey, do you want to come down here Stroman and do the, do the play by play on the campus radio station for the game here this afternoon? And I was, you know, blown away by the question but I said, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I just, I didn't hesitate for one second. It was just kind of a weird thing. It just, the, the question just hit me like, wow, I can't believe you're asking me this, but yeah, I'm all in. So I, you know, hauled ass down to the to the campus radio station. They they said, oh, we got the equipment out there, the press box, we're all, you know, we got a guy that'll come out and help engineer for you. Um, we'll show you what to do. Here's, here's how the format works. You gave me all that information, uh, and go do it. And so I went and did it, and just totally fell in love with it immediately. And from that point on, I knew in my head, this is where I want to go. I want to get into broadcasting. I want to get into sports broadcasting. However, uh, to do that at, at St. Cloud State back then – I had to become a broadcast journalist, go through the broadcast journalism program. So I immediately changed majors and dove into it with everything I had and just loved it. And that was the kind of the moment, the cathartic moment that, you know, I kind of changed from wanting to be a planetary scientist, quite frankly, as a meteorologist, to becoming a, a sportscaster and that was the, uh, that was the, the thing that, that triggered it for me, Logan. So I, I just had that kind of that accidental thing that happened. Some guy gets sick. Some guy thinks of me to replace the sick guy. I go and replace the sick guy. I do a good enough job that they want to have me do it some more. I loved it enough that I wanted to do it some more. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm heading into sports casting.
0: Do you still have the tape from that first game?
1: Oh, my God, I wish I did. Oh, I, I would kill to have that tape. Although I'm not sure I would want to have it played anywhere. I think my voice was a lot higher back then. It was a few a few years ago, uh, and my my voice has just naturally deepened over the decades. So I'm not sure it would it would be very uh, it would be a very good representation of who I am now. The thing I do have though is some of my my original television work that I have when I first graduated from St. Cloud State I um I got my first job as a uh, sports reporter at a television station in Sioux Falls South Dakota uh KELOTV and uh, was a sports reporter there and was there for just a couple of months not making very much money and I got a call from a television station just down the road a piece in Sioux City Iowa uh, KCAU-TV. They needed a weekend sports anchor, and they had seen some of my work on uh, KELO in Sioux Falls, and so they offered me a job as a as a weekend sports anchor. This was just several months out of college, so I was very, very blessed. And I have some uh, three-quarter-inch videotape of some of my work uh, from back then in the uh, in the uh, 1980s, let's just say, and that stuff is hysterical. I, I, I look First of all, I'm, I'm a lot thinner. I have a whole hell of a lot more hair. All of it is dark colored, no gray, uh, and I've got uh, this midwestern accent and a much higher voice. And it's 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 funny to it's funny to look at. Although to be honest with you, Logan, I haven't looked at those tapes in years because you know nobody has you know three quarter inch tape decks to to play that stuff back. So it sits in boxes. Uh, so no, none of the original stuff though from St. Cloud. I wish I did, boy. That that's stuff that you can you know, you, you, pass on to your kids and, and, you know, it's your legacy, but unfortunately I don't have any of those tapes.
0: That's interesting just because, um, I actually, I was an intern at KCAU-TV and I uh, had to be like 2007 and 2008 until I graduated. So that's, You're uh, kidding. no, not kidding. I was, uh, the huh. sales intern. And then I also did, uh, I helped with, uh, the advertisement production and I would run out on Friday nights to help record football stuff. So I worked for oh, KCAU. I love, I love it.
1: We both worked at KCAU. How funny is that? The major nine Sioux city, Iowa. It was a, it was a great experience, a great experience covering sports, shooting my own video, editing my own video, uh, producing my weekend sports casts all by myself. It was a two person sports department back then I worked with the legendary gene Sherman, um who has since passed away but was a a broadcast sports broadcasting icon in uh, northwestern Iowa and in that part of the country in Siouxland, as they call it, as you know and uh, I had the 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 blessing to be able to work with a guy like that right out of college and uh it just it just helped to kind of cement my my passion for sports broadcasting, both on the television side and now as I do both, both radio and television now with Northern Arizona University, you know, that laid the foundation for where I am today, no
0: question about it. So how do you get from Iowa, South Dakota, coming from Minnesota, and your next step, I'm assuming, takes you to Arizona, where you've been since then? What was the break or the happenstance that helped you end up there?
1: Getting fired. (laughs) <laughs> How's that answer for you? Get getting fired? Absolutely, I got fired from that job at KCAU, and um, it was uh, it was a real painful experience for me. Uh, but I'll tell you that I look back on that now, you know, decades later, and that that moment losing my job um, so early on after getting the job so quickly out of college was a was an experience that that helped shape my my deep appreciation and respect for this industry that i'm in how fleeting it can be how easily it can be just taken from you in a in a second and when i got when i got fired from channel nine i i really was shocked i couldn't believe it you know here i was this young guy right out of college i thought you know i had the world by the tail and I lost my job. Now, you know, I, I kind of lost a little bit of my passion for the industry at the time, and felt very, uh, very betrayed in, in a way by the industry. But it, it helped open my eyes to what I need to do as a as a professional, as a broadcaster, as someone who wants to do this thing that we do, to appreciate it more and to work harder to not only get back into the industry, but to but to grow in this industry, and it was it was a it was a difficult experience, especially for, like I said for someone so young. So it 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 um, it left me kind of on my heels a little bit. So what happened was that I was kind of searching for work, and you know sending tapes out. Of course, three quarter inch tapes, by the way. Uh, very expensive to send even back then, Uh, you know, resumes and tapes, you know, looking in the, in the trade industry magazines at the time, broadcasting magazine and other magazines didn't have the internet back then. So it was a little more, um, a a little more, shall we say, uh, 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 harder to, to identify places where you, where you can maybe find a job. I mean, we didn't have things that you can go to online and, and find like STAA, for example, where you can, You know, get an email every day telling you what jobs are open out there. That stuff didn't exist. So I was unemployed for a while. I went to work for my dad, and they moved out to San Diego. So I I went with my my parents and kind of, uh, you know, huddled myself together with my family and got a job to make some money with my dad and his business in San Diego. And then I, I just read about a job opening for a radio station in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. Now, I had heard of Lake Havasu because it's the home of the London Bridge, for those out there who are familiar with this part of the country. So I had heard of that, but had zero clue about anything else other than the fact that they took the London Bridge down and they transplanted it to Arizona in this little town called Lake Havasu City. So I got out an atlas and and looked up on the map where is Lake Havasu City and I go, Oh, well, this is not too far from San Diego. I did the calculation on how far it would take the drive out there. Oh, okay. It takes about five or six hours. That's that's not too far from where I'm at here in San Diego. So I, I uh I went ahead and called the, the station and put the ad in broadcasting magazine. They were looking for a news and sports director. And I called the I just called the station on a on a lark and i somehow or another ended up getting connected with the station owner and we had a conversation on the phone and had a a real nice real nice talk i was just i couldn't believe he actually took my call that was the weird part but here was the funny connection he was good friends with the station owner of KCAU in Sioux City where i got fired from so he calls them and I left on good terms. You know, I got I got fired because they wanted to to bring in a a an older gentleman to take the position that I had, uh, who was a friend of the sports director at the time. Yeah, it was it was a little there was a little bit of politics in there in there involved with that, and that was okay. But I left on good terms. I, I, you know, they said, well, we ought to let you go and we're really sorry we need to do this, but we want to kind of change the direction of the sports broadcasts on the weekends. And and I said, well, I'm, I'm very disappointed, but thank you for the opportunity. And, and I, I left on a professional way and what can I do to, you know, walk out the door as professionally as possible, even though I was crushed and that left a real good impression, quite frankly, on the station. Uh, owner. So those two guys talked to each other and he said good things about me. He goes, Hey, the kid's a, uh, he's a good worker. He's a, he's an up and comer. Uh, we, we had to just make a different change in a different direction, but it wasn't because of anything that he did or didn't do. And, you know, you would be, uh, you'd be happy to, to hire him in. So uh, again, coincidence, question mark, I don't know, but it, it was, uh, it was very serendipitous and so he says, you know what? He he literally said, I'll offer you the job on the phone right now. And I said, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. So I, I accepted the job over the phone and moved out to Lake Havasu City from San Diego, California, to become a a little local radio station, news and sports director. And I ran the newsroom as a one-man band and did uh, sports reporting as well did uh, some little bit of play by play for the local high school football and basketball team on the radio they did a few games every year and you know he said hey I want you to I want you to do this if you want to do it and I said sure I'd love to and that kind of got my foot back in the door into broadcasting but both as a news journalist and a sports play by play guy and that's how I kind of made myself uh you know a little bit of a name for myself there in, in Lake Havasu City doing both of those things, both hustling news and also doing uh, a few high school games every uh, every football and basketball season. So that got me into Arizona.
0: There's a lot of interesting stuff in there. The thing I want to touch on first is, you know, I mean, I, I don't like to over-dramatize this. I didn't get fired. I still had my sales job, but we lost our broadcast rights to the team I covered, and it was a it basically meant I had to leave my job if I wanted to keep doing what I, what I want to do. So that eventually happened, and you know, going out on good terms sometimes is really, really difficult to do. You, every inch inside of you wants to just put up the double bird and say you're gonna miss me when I'm gone. I obviously did not do that, but how hard was it for you to, you know, stay on positive terms when? You were basically sounds like you were getting removed for something that wasn't your fault, and just politics in the region.
1: That's a great question. I uh, and it really kind of goes to the heart of of the of the industry, generally speaking. I think because it's it's difficult sometimes, and, and I won't lie to you, Logan. When I when I told you earlier that it crushed me to lose that job, I that is not an overstatement. I was crushed. Um, you know, you're that you're a young kid. You're trying to to get your foot in the door. You feel like you got your foot in the door, and that you, the the world is your oyster. You know what's you know sky's the limit. You know I'll be here in in this in this community, and, and it's a you know a middle market, smaller middle market community, uh, kind of like a small mid major basketball program. I'll be here for a couple of years and. You know, and then maybe I'll move to Des Moines and from Des Moines, hopefully to Minneapolis and then from Minneapolis to the network, you know, (laughs) you, you, you have these dreams and you have these aspirations and I, and I had them, I had them. And I was very lucky to, to get jobs right out of college when so many of us are, are struggling to, to just get their foot in or their toe in the door getting out of college in this day and age. And it hurt it really hurt. It, it hurt, uh, not just professionally, but it was, uh, it was an ego buster and the younger you are, obviously the the more prone you are to getting your ego busted and how, and, and it hurts more, but it, it was difficult and it was challenging. And there was a period of time, I think initially after losing my job that I, I, I was like, I'm done. I, I, you know, I need to I need to think about becoming a meteorologist again, or or something else. And I think that happens to to a lot of people that, that that lose jobs or who have challenges moving up in this industry. But it it just goes to your guts. You have to be able to just dig in and say, what is it that that you love about what you do, and what is it that you want to do that will make you happy. And and I really, quite honestly, even though I was I was out of the industry for, for a period of time, working for my dad, um, living at home. Quite frankly, and you know, here I am in my early 20s, and I'm back living with my parents. Something that you know, obviously from the recession that we just went through, it happens to a lot of people. In fact, it happens to a lot of parents. They move in with their kids. But the you know, back then, um, you know, it was kind of a it was a humiliation in a way, and it hurt. And, but I never lost the, the desire. And every time I turned on the television and watched a game or when I turned on the radio in San Diego and listened to, you know, the mighty 690 and, and, you know, listening to sports talk radio or listening to, um, you know, San Diego state Aztec football on the air, on the radio in the car, you know, I would feel that, that, that juice flowing, through me, you know, wishing that I could be doing that. And quite frankly, if that's what you're thinking, if you're thinking, I'm, Oh, I wish I was doing that again. You, then you should be, you should do try to pursue that dream. You should try to pursue it with everything that you have. And I, even though I was, I was prepared to almost give up the whole, the whole, the whole shooting match, I still was looking at in, at ads in the trade magazines. So it, it's it's just, it's just a question I think of, of digging deep into your guts and saying to yourself, what do you really want? Are you really wanting to be a sportscaster? Do you really hashtag love sportscasting? If the answer is yes, then you do everything you can to get back in it. And I think that's kind of where I was at that time. That I just had this 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 passion in my belly to be a sportscaster or a broadcast journalist at a minimum, and I wasn't going to give up on it, no matter how much it had hurt to lose my my job early on in this industry.
0: One of the other things in that previous answer that I thought was interesting is you mentioned the way that getting a job in the sportscasting industry has changed, and there's yeah. a lot to that in that You know, there's probably more maybe entry level jobs now, but back then they were much more difficult to find. So if you were going for one, you know, maybe you only had five to 10 people instead of 100 uh, competing for that job at that time. What do you think was, I don't think easier is the right way, but we'll just say that. What was the easier time to get a job and kind of pursue the market?
1: that's that's another good question Logan um that's a tough one because you're, you're you're absolutely right there's there were advantages and disadvantages back then to the present day as there are advantages and disadvantages today compared to back then um, I'm not sure which one is easier which time period is easier or which one's more difficult there's, there's there are pluses and minuses to to both both time periods, it's it's funny for me. You you are really taking me down memory lane now, and I and and I haven't thought about these things for years. It's, this is actually kind of fun to think about them again. I, I look back on those days uh, where you know I had to you know make a bunch of copies of three quarter inch videotapes at my own expense and had to go to like a video production uh, uh, company, a local video production company, to be able to you know, take a resume tape that I had put together and edit it together in an editing bay uh and that I didn't have access to unless I had uh you know find some, some local company in San Diego that you know would allow me access to an editing bay for that type of videotape and had you know several I had a box of of tapes from my time at in, in Sioux City at KCAU TV, tapes of, of my weekend sports casts. Tapes of sports reports that I did for the weeknight sports, sports casts, uh, the tapes of 30 of minute sports shows that I put together for the for the local hockey team. The City Musketeers back in those days that, you know, when they went to national tournaments and I, I traveled with the team and, and did 30 uh, minute shows about their their run to to a national championship. And had, you know, you know, just boxes of of three quarter inch tapes. So, to, you know, I had to be able to have, have access to editing equipment that I could take what I thought was you know some of the best work that I had and and edit it together into a a a, a demo reel as they call it in these days. Uh, we used to call them resume tapes back then, and then be able to make copies, multiple copies of those things because each one had to go out. There, were, there we didn't have DVDs. You, you you didn't have youtube channels as i said no internet so i had to physically take a a three quarter inch you know video cassette tape make multiple copies of those things and then find you know places that had job openings in the trade magazines and and put together a resume and tape and send it at expense to these places and hope that they they get looked at nowadays you'd you know, almost use the internet. I mean, I here my demo reels online. Here's, here's the link. And, you know, you link to those demo reels and you have the opportunity to, to look at those things in a second and they're easier to find. So there was, as you, as you suggested, there were probably fewer people applying for some of those jobs out there because they were harder to get to, but they were also harder to, to get your, your stuff to, and more challenging in that fashion. I don't know. I think in this day and age, it's probably there are more people out there that are applying for you for the jobs. But I think in this day and age, it's probably better than it was back in my day because you, you do have the ability to, to craft your presentation of yourself in a way that gets somebody's attention who has a job at their station. Uh, in a In a way that I think is, is just easier to do that i mean you you have the ability to to as you do for example with with your podcast with your with your twitter page with your facebook page you you, you can market yourself in a way that that gets somebody's attention and I think it, it was you just have more advantages to do it in this day and age than back in my day when those things simply just they didn't exist, and you know you relied on on a on a package to get your tape and your resume into a station manager's hands and hope the God that they look at the darn thing, and give you a call. You know, I just think it's better in this day and age, but that's a great question to think about.
0: We'll get back on track now a little bit. Uh, We talked about some of your early career. What was the break that got you to Northern Arizona, the university of Northern Arizona, the lumberjacks. And uh, are there actually a lot of trees there? And what was your actual break getting that job?
1: oh that's great i love it you know it was when you were asking me earlier about the snow it's hard for you to think about getting snow in arizona but but we are up in the mountains here Uh, we're at seven thousand feet above sea level here in flagstaff we're only two hours north of phoenix so you get in your car and drive it really less than two hours south and, and you're down in the desert in the triple digit weather or you can get in your car in the triple digit weather and drive less than 2 hours, about an hour and 50 minutes and come up to 7,000 feet and be in the mountains and yes there are pine trees and there are a lot of them ponderosa pine trees by the millions and we we are situated where we are in Flagstaff on the Colorado Plateau where we are with right in kind of in the middle of the largest stand of ponderosa pine trees on the planet. So, yeah, we're, we, we have lumberjacks and Flagstaff was originally a, a lumber driven city, uh, back in the 1800s. That's, that's how it was founded was, was through, uh, lumber mills and, and wood cutting. Uh, we were a big part of that going in the early days of, of, uh, of the kind of the big expansion out west. And uh, that's kind of the the history of Flagstaff, how Flagstaff became the city that it is. But the break that you're asking me about was simply uh, just making a little bit of a name for myself when I was in Lake Havasu City, uh, three hours away to the west along the California-Arizona border. I was at that radio station. I was making uh, a name for myself as a news journalist. Uh, I was a stringer for the Associated Press and would uh, string – literally hundreds of stories a year to the AP uh, in Phoenix, uh, got some national play on, on bigger stories and started to kind of get some, some folks attention in the radio industry around the state of Arizona. And up here in Flagstaff, Logan, I I just, you know, I got a call from a radio station here in Flagstaff that had an opening for a news and a sports director, and they were aware of my work and they gave me a, a shout and said, hey, you know, we have a, an opening up here. Would you be interested in applying for it? And I said, yeah, absolutely, I would be. I'd love to get out of the desert. It was hot. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'd and be honest with you, I used to come up to Flagstaffs occasionally on weekends to get out of the heat in Lake Havasu City, which is one of the hottest places in the United States in the summertime. And, you know, I'd love to get up to the cool pines. I'm an outdoors person, and, and I did a lot of camping up here. Plus, uh, Northern Arizona University back then had a Division One hockey team. So I was also a big hockey fan, um, being from the Midwest and from Minnesota. And Northern Arizona University had a Division One hockey team at that time. So I would occasionally get my, my, my fix of hockey by driving up to Flagstaff and watching the NAU Lumberjack hockey team play. So I was familiar with Flagstaff. I loved it. I thought it was pretty. It was cool. It was in the pines. It's not in the desert. And when I got a call from the radio station Flagstaff asking if they wanted to apply for a news and sports director gig up here, I said, yeah, I'll apply. So I applied and I got the job. And the next thing you know, I'm living in the pine trees.
0: I was just looking at the timeline. So just want to kind of figure out Maybe what was happening in between? It said that you did Northern Arizona from nineteen ninety four to nineteen ninety eight, and then took a break for a while, and then went back to it in two thousand five. Maybe I misread this when I was trying to figure things out, but what happened in the middle there?
1: Well, I think it's something that you'll be you'll be familiar with. Our radio station lost the the rights to uh, Northern Arizona University sports, and so that that kind of dropped into my lap i was the voice of the lumberjacks in the 1990s for uh four years there and the station i worked for in flagstaff lost the radio rights so that that kind of um that was a little bit of a shock and uh losing the the play-by-play gig back then uh was uh was one of those one of those moments in your career where it's like you're you're doing something you love it you're a sportscaster you're a division one play-by-play guy and your station loses the radio rights, so that was uh, that was a bit of a, a bit of a jolt back then. And then I was offered a job in in Flagstaff to be the the news director at our local television station. So I jumped out of radio and and jumped into local television and anchored the local you know five six and ten o'clock newscasts and did that for a year and uh, was was uh, enjoying being a, a television. Uh, newscaster for uh, a period of time here in Flagstaff. Uh, but then I was uh, afforded an opportunity to go into what some call the dark side, uh, which was to be a spokesperson or a public information officer for our local school district. And the pay was really good and the benefits were great. So I, I jumped out of broadcasting to uh, be a public information officer and a spokesperson for our local school district for several years. And that was uh, that was a, a bit of a career change for me, but uh, it was hard to say no to the opportunity to uh, make more money than I had ever made in broadcasting, and and have a, a very good benefit package. So it was a uh, it was a change of
0: direction for a few years. So after you made that change of direction, what got you back into sportscasting? Right now, it, correct me if I'm wrong, again, misunderstanding some of my research, you own your own company and you just contract yourself out to whoever has the rights right now for Northern Arizona. How did you end up at that point and what did it take to get there?
1: Well, it was, it was kind of an interesting journey. Um, the university naU northern arizona university they um, they obviously they they retained their rights they were one of the one of the schools out in this part of the country that had not uh, and still has not at this point uh, given up its rights to a third party rights holder so they had their own broadcast rights and they had a a person in house that they had doing their play by play for for several years but then that person decided to to leave. The university and leave the industry and go a different direction uh in a uh, in a different uh, business sense so they were looking for somebody to to uh, uh take over their play-by-play duty again and they also were doing something with their local on-campus television station logan uh, which is uh, nau tv and they wanted somebody that had some tv and some radio experience to uh, do, their, do their sports broadcasting. So again, uh, it just kind of, uh, in a way, kind of dropped back into my lap. Uh, so what I did was I, I decided to uh, leave what I was doing at the time. I had left the, the school district as a public information officer and was working for our local chamber of commerce as their government affairs director and was uh, doing, a little, doing a little PA announcing on the side. I had been doing some public address announcing for NAU men's basketball home games as uh, just kind of keeping my, my toes in the water a little bit in the, uh, in the sports world. And they approached me and said, hey, would you, know, would you be willing to do this as, a, as an independent contractor, uh, take over our, our broadcasting duties? This was back in, in 2004, roughly and i you know discussed that that was an issue i discussed with my wife about leaving a job that had benefits and health insurance with the chamber of commerce and going into becoming a contractor and she said hey let's do it it's your dream it's your passion so it she she was the one that really quite frankly uh gave me the green light and the and the support to go out on my own like that as an independent contractor and so i did it i jumped back in uh, with with all of my all of my soul and all of my guts and uh, became a an independent contractor with the university in the meantime i i just decided to to try and diversify my portfolio a little bit so i did uh some sports radio sports talk in flagstaff on a couple of different radio stations independent contracting uh with uh, a couple of different radio stations for a few years that went uh, very well, and then I had an opportunity to do some some news and political talk, which is kind of my secret my secret passion. I'm a political junkie also in uh, in the back of my heart and so I did a little uh, news talk radio here in Flagstaff for a couple of years as well enjoyed doing that and and made a little bit of extra money doing that as well and continue to be the voice of NAU sports and quite frankly what what you don't know. Uh, which really hasn 't been uh, formally announced yet, but just a few months ago, the university hired me on as a full time employee now. Now I work for the university as a full time employee and uh, continuing to do uh, their their all of their sports broadcasting, television, uh, radio, play by play. we have a, an agreement with Fox Sports, Arizona, where we have most of our home games simulcast on Fox Sports, Arizona and I, I handle all of those broadcasts, or most of them, and uh am now full-time employee of the university now, so I'm no longer even independently contracting. I'm now a a, uh, a full-time uh, FTE with Northern Arizona University.
0: Did we just break news on, say, the damn score?
1: Well, I mean, I wouldn't call it breaking news. I mean, that's, <laughs> I suppose if you want to look at it from that perspective, why not? but uh yeah it's it's it, we haven't really rolled it out big and formally in our community so my my friends and and close associates know about it um but yeah it's 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 big news it's big news for me it's uh it's been a it's been a a dream of mine to to uh you know be a full-time employee again with this university and uh i'm i'm very honored and and very fortunate to to have been offered this opportunity to do that and it's something that uh, has kind of you know firmly put me feet down in this community at least for the time being as as the voice of the Northern Arizona University Lumberjacks.
0: Well, first and foremost, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Um thank you. Secondly, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about was if you google Mitch Stroman, one of the things that comes up is your call versus Eastern Washington where you know, you, you, you hit fifth gear, you were going crazy, uh, you were almost sounded like you were losing your voice. and of course, when you're a broadcaster, you save that top gear for those kind of truly special and memorable moments where you can frankly, you can go bananas and it's okay. I guess how do you uh, decide when the right time to just lose your mind is, so to speak, and when to stay in control?
1: I lost my mind on that one that was that was a that was a great a fun phenomenal moment uh for n a u football at the time eastern washington came in ranked number two in the country in the f c s and they were they were just a juggernaut offensively uh a team that you you looked at and said this is this is a team that that could easily win the national championship or at least make a great run at it uh, they were, you know, I mean, it was it was all about Eastern Washington in the Big Sky Conference at that time, and they came in uh, strutting like uh, a peacock and with good justification. They were they were a prolific offense, uh, just a phenomenal football team. Great head coach, Bo Baldwin, uh, just a, just a team that was loaded, loaded, and it was homecoming for NAU. The Sky Dome was absolutely packed. Uh, The seating capacity in the in the in the walk of Sky Dome for football is ten thousand. There were more than twelve thousand bodies in the building. So it was there were bodies, you know, people on the concourse. S R O. Truly, the atmosphere was electric. It was absolutely electric. We were on uh, on Fox Sports Arizona. We were on Fox College Sports, so we had a both a regional television audience, and we also had a nationwide television audience on cable. Uh, this was a game that that everyone in town was geared up for. There was just such passion and emotion and energy in the building, and we win the game in dramatic fashion. It, it's still to this day, uh, just it just gives me goosebumps. Truly, thinking about the game and the moment and how we won the game with a, a drive at the end and a and a catch in the back of the end zone on a miracle pass in front of an all American safety uh, that, that was just, I lost my, I lost my cookies. And it was, it was one of those moments. I'll never forget it. Logan, my, my, my color commentator who is a, a phenomenal broadcaster in his own right. And I'm going to give him a, a little bit of love on this broadcast. He's a former NAU quarterback, uh, who does our color commentary? And I've worked with him now for 12 years. Uh, Kevin Stevens is his name, and just a just a very talented color commentator for football. And and he, I, I dropped to my knees. I was, I, I couldn't hardly stand. It was it was just this moment of passion, this moment that that just exploded out of me. And I I recall, kind of vaguely. Him saying something to the effect on the air, I think we just lost Mitch, or, some, or something like that. And it's just, it's, a, it's a fun moment. It's a great memory. I'll never forget it. And then the, the then the damn thing went viral, and and you know all over the internet. Uh, it was very funny. I think I think FoxSportsArizona.com was the one that put it out there on their website, and then it kind of picked up and went around, and 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 the next thing I know, I'm getting you know, tweets and, and Facebook posts and everyone is just, you know, Hey, this was so great to watch and listen to. Uh, and, and we're, so the the question is, when do you, when do you make the call? It's funny. I don't know if there's a formula to, to call upon. It's just one of those things where it's a feel and that moment felt like a moment to go, not just in the fifth gear, but in the sixth gear and, and blow the vocal cords right out of my throat. And and I, I I will never forget it. It it was a it was a fun moment for me. And I still get people several years later that that talk to me about that and say how much they, they remember it and how that call, as crazy as it was, uh was something that that helped cement their memory of that game. And boy, isn't that isn't that the thing that you want as a sports broadcaster? You want to create memories for people, and that was one of those moments where I could honestly look back, and I'm smiling right now, ear to ear, just thinking about it, talking to, to you with it about this issue, but you want to create memories for people. That's, that's, the, that's truly the heart of this, isn't it? Isn't that the essence of being a broadcaster and a sports broadcaster? You want to leave people with something that's a memory for them, and it left them a memory.
0: That's an interesting way to think about it, and I I agree a hundred percent. You know, being at a school like you have for a long time, you're able to see a whole bunch of, for lack of a better word, milestone games like that one where you beat the number two team in the country. You covered the first NCAA tournament appearances for both the men's and women's team for Northern Arizona. How long does it take you to you know change from truly objective? neutral broadcaster you never handle the actual call neutral but to become a little bit of a fan and you know really start to deeply care about the results and everything that goes on with the school
1: that's a good question from the perspective of of a philosophy of how you how you be a broadcaster and You know, I'm a fanboy. I mean, I I love sports. I love, I have my favorite teams. I'm a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan and a Royals fan in in Major League Baseball and in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I, I love, I love NAU. I love the, I love the Lumberjacks. I'm a fan of, of the Lumberjacks. Uh, I would be a fan of this team. They're my hometown team now. I've been in Flagstaff for nearly 30 years. And, you know, I would, I would be in the Skydome on a Saturday afternoon to watch a Lumberjack football team if I wasn't, you know, up in the press box. When do you become a fan? I think you're a fan right off off the top if you want to be a sportscaster, or you should be a fan of sports, generally speaking, certainly. But when you, when you get hooked into a team for a long period of time like I have been um, and blessed to be with, with Northern Arizona University, uh, I, I think you, 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 you really need to be a fan. That's part of, part of the role of being the voice of blank, the voice of fill in the blank, you, you should be a fan of that team. But I, I kind of take this, this, this global view nowadays, Logan, because the, the things that we do in this day and age with the Internet, certainly, and, and quite frankly with, with some, of the, some of the schools that are, are fortunate, like NAU is, to have a, a regional television audience, or in some cases a national television audience, uh, through, our, in our case, Fox College Sports, you know, I, I have kind of taken the philosophy of, yeah, if you watch our broadcasts or you listen to the games, no one will, will ever sit there and say that, that this guy isn't the voice of the Lumberjacks. But I'm, I'm a fan of the game. I'm a fan of college basketball. I'm a fan of college football. I love the Big Sky Conference. I love FCS football. I enjoy mid-major basketball. I'm a fan of all of those things, so I have kind of you know evolved. I think over the years, Logan, as a play-by-play uh, person, that not only is is you know obviously you know pulling for my home team because my fans expect me to to be giving them a, a, a kind of a pro NAU broadcast, but I'm also a, a pro and a, and a fan of the other teams' plays and players and coaches. And, and try to give them as much love and passion, uh, almost as I do of NAU. And I, I, feel, very, uh, I feel very proud about that, because there are, there's Homerism, and then, you know there's extreme Homerism, and we've all heard broadcasters that are like that, and there are jobs that, that, that's required. I'm a Homer, but I'm also a fan of everything that I'm calling. And I I bring that passion to the table. And as a result of that, I get a lot of fans, and I'm very proud of this, uh, from other schools and other institutions throughout the Big Sky Conference. And they want to watch our broadcasts because they know that, yeah, I'm I'm a homer for NAU, but I'm not going to be such a huge homer that I can't appreciate what Sacramento State's doing in this game. Or, for example, as you and I are talking right now, Last night I did a broadcast of NAU basketball versus the University of North Dakota, and that was that was uh, seen by the folks back up in, in Grand Forks and in that part of the country. And I got a lot of positive comments, both emails and otherwise, on 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 social media, thanking me for what they called the a balanced broadcast. And they will return to that broadcast next year when North Dakota comes to Flagstaff, and they will watch our broadcast because they know that I'm not going to completely job their team on the air. I'm going to appreciate that Quentin Hooker, who is a senior guard for the University of North Dakota, just hit a crazy good 17-foot step-back jumper from the right elbow, and he had a hand in his face, and that was a big-time play. And I loved it. And they see that, they hear that, and they appreciate that, back up in, in fighting hawk country. So they're going to return and watch us next year. And I feel kind of passionate about that. I love the big sky. And when we play Montana, Grizz fans know that I'm going to know as, as much about the Grizzly roster, their players, their team, their coaches, their community, and I'm going to bring that to the broadcast as, as I do about my team. And I take a lot of pride in that. And it's it's kind of something that has, has evolved over time with me, Logan, where I've gone from just all-in, homer, homer, homer for NAU to, yeah, I'm a homer for NAU, but I'm also a homer for the Big Sky Conference. And that means Montana, Montana State, Sacramento State, Weber State, et cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's, 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 a, it's, a fun, it's a fun thing for me to, to think about that. It's a good question.
0: Talking about the Big Sky Conference and their geographic footprint from Arizona to North Dakota. There's probably not very many conferences that can match that for travel and just uh, all that fun stuff. So this is the time where I tell you to give us some horror stories from the road that you were mortified of at the time, but you can look back at now and laugh.
1: Well, (laughs) that's easy. Uh, And you're right about that footprint of the big sky. It's, it's, it's gigantic. Although uh, as we are recording this, that footprint is on the verge of shrinking considerably. The news breaking this week that university of North Dakota will be leaving the big sky conference after next season, after the uh, 2017, 2018 year, and their football team will go to the Missouri Valley football conference and all of their other sports will go to the Summit League in the Midwest. So we're we're losing the University of North Dakota, unfortunately. I love having North Dakota in the league personally because I've made a lot of great friends uh, with uh, that football and basketball team, and I, I think the university has added a lot to the Big Sky Conference uh, over the last couple of years that they've been in, and I'm sad to see them go from that perspective. But I also understand that they need to be in a in a footprint that is – more geographically friendly for them. And that makes sense. I get that. So it's kind of a bittersweet parting uh, from my perspective. I'm I'm going to, to lose contact uh, with some of the friends that I've made with the university of North Dakota. And I love grand forks as a Midwestern guy. And uh, I'm going to miss them. But at the same time, I also am not going to miss some of the travel and, and that the horror stories are in the big sky. The, I could tell you a horror story right off the top. I mean, we um, we were scheduled to, uh, we were playing Eastern Washington, which is in Cheney, Washington, and the University of Idaho in Moscow, Idaho, just a couple of weeks ago. And we were scheduled originally to uh, have a trip that would have had us play in Moscow, Idaho on Saturday night against the University of Idaho, then get on a bus and bus overnight, roughly six and a half ish hours to Seattle. To pick up a flight, red eye flight out of SeaTac Airport in Seattle, back to Phoenix uh, overnight, and come back to Flagstaff uh, early Sunday morning. The flight out of Seattle to Phoenix was canceled, so thank God we didn't have to do that. But but we get a lot of of trips like that, Logan in the Big Sky, where occasionally we are we are bussing literally overnight. Uh, to get back to Flagstaff or to get from Flagstaff to another location and in our neck of the woods in the, in the big sky conference in the in the winter time weather is is a constant specter hanging over us When, when will the next winter storm descend on on the Rockies or descend on the great Northwest or or in arizona for quite quite frankly and and provide us with uh, with uh, dangerous conditions. And I'll tell you you wanna the bottom line is anytime you're busing overnight and and you have a bus driver who's who's tired and you've got weather and snow at play, uh, that's a horror story because you're you you see those things in the news with buses going off the road, bus drivers falling asleep and and you you just you wonder is that is that the safest thing that you can be doing uh, with your student athletes and you know you're along for the ride as the as the play by play guy. And, and we get those things quite often in the big sky, and all of the teams do that. I can recall a story. My good friend Jerry Miller, who is the voice of the Idaho State Bengals for many, many, many years, uh, just a real great man, love him to death. They bust from Pocatello to Flagstaff to, uh, to play us a couple of seasons ago and then bust right back to, to Pocatello from Flagstaff after the game. That's about a 15-hour bus ride. And, you know, it's wintertime basketball season. A Tough one. That's tough, and it's you know it's a little easier on eighteen to twenty-two year olds uh, who are really really flexible and and can, and can and can be on a bus for that kind of a period of time. Probably a little easier physically than than us older dudes, uh, but you know we we don't we don't handle that quite as well. And when we start getting up in age a little bit, and it could be a little challenging. But any any of those type of things are are always a horror story, but. In a way, it's also kind of what makes it unique in what we do. Um, I, I would much rather not bus overnight uh, from point A to point B, but you know, in, in a way, it also that, that's kind of the uh, kind of the texture of what makes it makes it unique and interesting. And when you talk about hashtag love sportscasting, uh, you know, there's a little part of me that that kind of gets a little bit of a charge out of the fact that that we do things like that occasionally. And, uh, you know, you're out, you're with those people, you're with the players, you're with the coaches and and you get to know them so well in those type of circumstances, Logan. And it's, it's part of what, uh, what makes it, what what makes it special as well as being kind of a horror story.
0: So moving on from that, you also, host a show that i i want to find out how you got this gig because it seems to me like it's just you run around and restaurants give you free food and you review it correct me if i'm wrong it's called what's cooking with mitch and i i want to find out how you got that and how i can make that happen here in uh beersford or vermilion south dakota
1: oh my god i love it um well you did do your homework you always do on on these podcasts slogan darn you um yeah, it's that's exactly what it's called. It is it, we are no longer making new shows. I'll say that right off the top. It got it got canceled for budget cutting reasons, which is understandable in the in the recession. Before we came out of the recession, when uh, you know university budgets were, were being slashed and burned, and and uh, that that particular line item on the budget for NAU TV was cut. Uh, and the show you know went away however the the funky part about that is that the damn show lives on in perpetuity and repeats it, it's it's on constantly repeating over and over again all of those episodes that we we tape for several years. I think we did like six years of that thing, and um they repeat uh uh you know forever on local cable here in flagstaff and on n a u s online channel as well so i I still even several years after it being canceled still get people that will stop me and say I just saw that episode with you with the cottage place restaurant and you guys were doing that firecracker shrimp and that looks so good and did you really did you really make that was that real and I, I get that all the time it's funny it's funny as hell actually because I sometimes get more comments about that show than I do about uh, broadcasting NAU football, and basketball games, but it's, it, it was, it was a real, it was this kind of a thing that just kind of dropped in my lap again. Uh, I was doing the, the, the sports broadcasting for NAU and doing the television broadcast as well with NAU TV. And, uh, one of their, uh, one of their show producers, they were looking to do something like what you described, which is what what's cooking was, and that was featuring local chefs in Flagstaff at various uh, restaurants and what they what they do well, and and kind of you know promoting NAU and and Flagstaff area eating establishments, and and Food Network was really big at you know getting getting itself going in a big way back then. And there were tons and tons of shows like that. So this guy just had an idea for for some local programming to do this show, and he just approached me saying, "Have you ever done a? You ever thought about doing a show like like cooking show? I know you like food, and I do. I love food, and and I love the kitchen. And I'm no no uh, I, that's not a secret about me. He goes, I know you love food. Would you like to do this? And I go, What are you what are you thinking of? And he he said, Well, I want to just kind of feature local chefs and restaurants and You know, you could get in the kitchen with them and and we could tour the restaurant and they come in and we'll cook in in a teaching kitchen and we'll do this half hour show. And I said, why not? Uh, Let's do it. Let's have some fun with this thing. So, yeah, I just kind of jumped in and, you know, had no experience in doing anything quite like that. But it 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 was just one of those things, Logan, where it was like, you know, this sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. What the hell? and i love kitchen i love food let's do it and it just it just took off and once the first couple of episodes got on the air then other chefs in other restaurants in flagstaff were like hey we want to do one of these how do i get out how do i get my restaurant on it was hysterical and and i just i loved it and and they loved it and we did uh several years of these things and then like i said it got canceled but the repeats keep going and people keep seeing it what what cracks me up though is that some of these things i look back at uh uh myself you know, six, seven, eight, nine years ago, and you know, like one of this, one of those years, I had these these ridiculous sideburns going. But like what was I thinking when I had these sideburns? And I look at some of those, some of those, uh, some of those shows, and I just kind of laugh at myself. But yeah, it was it was a real it was a real cool thing that I did for several years, and I'll always have that in my uh, in my portfolio to to call upon. And yeah, I did get to eat some free food, and man, it was really good. I mean, really good. And I also learned some things in the kitchen, too. That was also a lot of fun.
0: All right. Well, we will start to wrap up here with some of the questions that we ask everybody before uh, I usually sign off. And one of those is, what do you do to this day, even though, I mean, you've made it, so to speak, already? What do you still do to get better?
1: You know what? I and, – and I love that question, Logan. I always love hearing that question because it is the – absolute without question the, the absolute foundation of how you can how you can advance in this business is that you you never ever think that you can't get better and I know I can get better and I know that uh that if I don't work to get better that I, I and I believe this I it goes back to losing my my, my one of my first jobs and getting fired and I just don't take what I do for granted. nothing that I do it's everything is fleeting. nothing is permanent, no matter how good you are you you can lose it in a second. Something can happen. you can make a mistake, you can make an error somebody else comes up that's that's better than you and I just always have this underlying thinking in my mind that this 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 job could end in two seconds and so in order to to, to try to prevent that from happening I take the the kind of the, the approach that I want to make sure that I'm trying to get better all the time, all the time. And I, and I think about it. I think about it a lot. And, and prep, for example, how can I, how can I prep better? What can, what more can I bring to the table in my my preparation for a broadcast uh, that I'm not doing or haven't done previously? Uh, What, what can I do differently? How can I, how can I up my game in terms of, of when I call a game when I'm, doing a sports cast when I am, you know, doing a football game or doing a basketball game or doing soccer or doing NAU volleyball. I also do play by play on, on television for NAU volleyball and NAU soccer on Fox sports, Arizona. Uh, That's a diversifying what I do. And and I had to learn those sports and I had to, to get out and force myself to become not just knowledgeable with those sports, but become more of a fan of those sports and that was that was getting better. Uh, you, you just you have to take that philosophy. I think. How is it that you can improve yourself all the time? I watch my broadcasts. I, I go back and I, I DVR them if they're television broadcasts, or I record them obviously, and I will listen to those or portions of them to say, "Hey, what did I like here? What did I not like here? I didn't like the way I called that sequence of, of plays, or I didn't like that." that five minutes of how I, I called that game. Why didn't I like it? I, I critique myself, and I am my own most harshest critic. And I, I do that a lot. I do it a lot. And and, and I think if you, if you take that philosophy, Logan, as a sportscaster, and make it part of your, of your chromosomes, make it part of your DNA, that I can get better and never think that you can't get better, uh, you will get better. You will. I listen to other broadcasters. I listen to 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 people not just in my neck of the woods in the Big Sky Conference, but I will go out there online with people that I know through Twitter or through Facebook uh, and through the various social media groups that I'm a part of, and I will just sometimes I will just sometimes pick somebody, and if I have an opportunity to listen to their broadcast uh, through an online portal of some sort or perhaps through a, a, a video link. I, I like to do that. It's, and for no, I may have, I may have no dog in, in the fight, no interest in perhaps in the two teams that, that are at play in, in that person's broadcast, but I will go out and I will just sometimes randomly pick something and, and listen to it online just to hear what somebody else is doing. And it it's, it helps me to get better. Hey, I really like the way Logan Anderson called that, that, that quarter of football that I listened to. And what did I like about it? And I will, I will take mental notes and I will think about how can I incorporate what Logan just did into how I do what I do. So that's, that's kind of the way I take the approach on that Logan. I, I will, uh, I will just kind of go out there sometimes and, and randomly listen or watch to other broadcasters, and then I will also be thinking constantly about how I can how I can prep better, how I can be more knowledgeable about the teams that I'm calling, and and quite frankly, um, I I will I will never be out prepped. That's that's just something that's part of my personal philosophy. I feel like no one will out prep me, and if I if I believe that, then I will spend those extra hours. Uh, prepping for a a broadcast as opposed to maybe, you know, well, I'm going to kind of go easy on this one. I know these guys. I I know this team. This is our second time against these guys. I'm not going to – I could just go back to my prep from the first game. I've got that. No way. No way. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to prep just as hard for the second game against Idaho State than the first game we did three weeks ago. Because that's that's my that's my philosophy. No one is going to out prep me. And if you think about that type of philosophy, you're going to try to get better
0: all the time. You know, that's one of the personal challenges I've been running into is calling high school sports here in South Dakota. I almost feel like I'm slacking at times because I'm used to trying to dig deep and find a whole lot of things. There's just not information available on on a lot of high school kids, especially in small town sports. How do you prep in those situations?
1: That's a, that's, that's a real challenge. And I've heard on, on a variety of your previous podcasts, uh, you know, folks from this industry, both at the high level and at the mid range level and at the lower level, talk about that as one of the greatest challenges. And I, and I recall the comments being made, um, uh, this past summer, when we are out there for uh, the national meetings STAA and the workshop out there, that there are those who believe that, you know, high school play-by-play is the most difficult of all the play-by-play to do because it is so difficult to prep. And, and I will not disagree with that. I've done high school sports here in Flagstaff. I've done uh, high school football, high school basketball over the years. I don't do that anymore because my responsibilities with Northern Arizona University just don't allow me the time to do it. But back in the days when I was an independent contractor, I was doing all the play by play that I could. So I was I was you know mixing in uh you know Friday night football games and and high school basketball games just to, to get the to get the work and get the experience. And yeah, it was hard. It was really, really hard to do that. And I, I just don't think quite frankly that there is a There's a magic bullet of an answer to to how to how to overcome that that hurdle. It's it's just a question of, you know, you've got to put the time in to make those phone calls to to get a hold of those coaches or athletic directors at those high schools. And I will tell you that one of the things that I did um, that I think helped a little bit, you have to be you have to be humble about it that's I guess that's the best way I can think of of describing that you have to take the approach with these high school athletic directors and with um, coaches uh, a very humble approach you can't go in there guns blazing hey I'm doing the play by play you know you need to give me this information you know you need to, to give me uh, the accommodations I need a phone patch here and I need to have power and I you know demanding and you know because hey I'm I'm a broadcaster it, they don't a lot of the, a lot of these folks don't respond to that very well uh they can they can sometimes get a little bit of a bunker mentality when you when you walk into a situation like that with with your with your chest kind of puffed out a little bit and have that expectation you got to I think really try to work to approach them from a more of a humble hey I I'm really excited about doing play by play for your high school football game this Friday And I was I was hoping that you could help me uh, do this thing right. You know, there's some things that I could sure use that would make me more knowledgeable about your team. Can is there any way that I could have access to uh, some of your some of your stats? uh, You know, roster information. uh, You know, how can we how can we help each other here? I really want to give you guys the. The, 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 broadcast that you deserve. And I want to be, I want to do this right for you guys. What can I do to, to, to get some more information? How can you help me with the infrastructure needs that I have to, to put this broadcast on the air, phone, power, space in your press box. Uh, I'm willing to, to do whatever is necessary to, to accommodate you, but I need you to help me a little bit. And how can we work together? Uh, I think the, the more, the, the more humble and, and more accommodating you are when you approach some of these folks, the more likely they're going to be to, to give you some of the things that you need to be a good broadcaster. And I, I have, I have seen that personally. I've watched fellow broadcasters, uh, try to kind of muscle their way in. Hey, you got to give me what, what I need here. And sometimes quite frankly, folks will go, you know what? The hell with you! You know you want you need space in my press box. You can go on the roof. Um, You know that type of thing. So it's there's no real magic bullet, Logan. But I think uh, taking a taking a kind, gentle, polite, and humble approach probably doesn't hurt most of the time.
0: Okay, we are. We really do need to wrap up here pretty quick. We've already gone an hour and twenty minutes. It doesn't seem like it went that long, but uh, who are some of your favorite broadcasters to listen to when you have a night off that maybe you've discovered when you're just randomly clicking on somebody on Twitter who posts a broadcast link?
1: No, I, I'm I'm a big fan. Uh, and I and I, this is this this is just my my own, you know, passion for for where I'm at in the Big Sky Conference, but. Uh I love listening to uh Jay Sanderson, uh the voice of the Montana State Bobcats. I, I just I just think he calls a terrific game. He is never anything but Uber prepped and he's he's got a he's just got a great a great flow and a great rhythm to his call. Uh I'm a big fan of Jay and, and just just love what he's done as as the voice of the Montana State Bobcats. Um to be honest with you, I, I will dial into that anytime. But I, you know, for me, quite frankly, uh, I'm I'm always kind of looking for uh, to, when I'm looking for somebody to listen to. I'm I'm looking for some of the, some of the art, my, my my world, you know, FCS, uh, low mid major, uh, Division One. Uh, that's a that's a real passion for me. Uh, I I really like to hear people that are in my kind of in my universe a little bit. Make sure who 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 isn't a fan of Vin Scully. Uh, those you know that's easy. That's easy. He's 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 iconic, and everybody would would say that. I I listened to Vin growing up, and and the great broadcasters over the years like that. Those are the easy ones. You 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 go out a little bit and you try to find those guys like at the at the mid major level. Uh, those are some of the some of the best broadcasters out there that that perhaps you haven't heard of before. To be perfectly honest with you, and, and a guy like Jay Sanderson is is very much like that. Larry Weir, uh, the voice of the Eastern Washington Eagles, is. He's been up there for for so many years, and he does such a wonderful job and I love listening to him call a game. Uh, I have never ever, ever missed an opportunity to to listen to to him uh, when i when I have the, the chance to do so. Uh, those are a couple of guys, quite frankly that i'm I'm big fans of.
0: All right, well, that will do it here for the Say the Damn Score podcast. We're talking with Mitch Stroman. He is the voice of the Northern Arizona University Lumberjacks. And Mitch, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do so?
1: Oh, my gosh, they can get in touch with me so easily. I, I'm, out, I'm totally out there in public on, on my social media, at Mitch Stroman on Twitter, uh, Mitch Stroman on Facebook. It's totally open in public. Uh, hit me up that way. You can always contact me through Northern Arizona university athletic department. Um, it's at, uh, it's, 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 it's completely open, uh, nauathletics.com. And, and you can find me through there. Uh, it's, it's real easy to track me down. And I, I'm one of those guys, Logan, that, that has all of my stuff out there, public open. Uh, I'm not afraid of it. Uh, I am who I am. And, uh,
0: uh, you can always find me through those 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 ways very very easily. So if I wanted to ask you for your political opinions right now, you'd tell me. I'm not going to, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're killing me right now. Uh, in this in this politically charged climate, that's a bit of a risk. Uh, but uh, I don't have to actually to do offer it. a few political opinions in the
0: past. All right. Once again, we're talking with Mitch Droman. Thanks for joining us here on the Say the Damn Score podcast. You can. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher. You can follow me on Twitter at Radio underscore Logan. You can also follow me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Say the Damn Score. And we're also now on Google Play Music. So, a lot of ways to follow Say the Damn Score. We thank everybody who already does. And the next time you're on the air, remember to Say the Damn Score just a little bit more.